Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me. And you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. And then, as always, on Mondays for another installment of the Sports Rap Podcast right here on Heat 100 Radio. We're going to kick off with some news. Frank, thanks for tuning in. We got Embiid, and this is dating back to Game 3 and yesterday, Game 4. Embiid shows why he is or should be the MVP. We're going to talk about that, like I said. We are definitely going to talk about what transpired with the MVP of the league for this year. Uh, also, the Sixers were fined $50,000 for violating the league injury reporting rules. Um, apparently, they didn't give enough, they didn't have enough time or didn't report in enough time to injuries uh, for Joel Embiid and his status for game three. But it's always a way to recoup some money with the league, you know, that big conglomerate that I always talk about. Uh, fired Raiders staff David Ventrell says he was fired for raising concerns about a toxic workplace. Remember I talked to you last week when I did my sports rap dime of the week and I talked to you about some dialogue I had with a friend of mine. And in that conversation, wherever we thought about what we were talking about, he brought up the racism piece. Well, like I mentioned to him and then and I'm going to mention it again, it's racism in all sports. And we see there. So this guy, this gentleman apparently has been with them since uh, Al Davis was around. So he's been there for a long time. And now that he intended to expose what was going on to the NFL. He actually did report some things to the NFL offices. He was immediately fired after that. So, of course, there'll be a cover-up there. There's going to be some cleanup and probably another investigation looming. Uh, Canelo loses in a unanimous decision to Dimitri in his light heavyweight bout. Controversy is surrounding the Kentucky State song, which was brought to light by members of the one, by one of the most prominent families in that state. Charles Oliveira misses the weight and is stripped of his UFC title. Candace Parker says she is entering the season as though it is her last. Lewis Hamilton threatens to not race in the F1 Miami Grand Prix if the new jewelry ban is enforced. I don't really understand that, and I'm for all for him you know, um, threatening to not race. I don't understand what the jewelry ban is, and I don't understand why he can't come in comfortable, come in and be himself. Because he's got to put the jumpsuit on, the fire resistance suit, and all of that stuff to get in the car and race. So, a little confused about that one there. Uh, former Oklahoma University defensive tackle Devontae Lumpkin was found dead at the age of 25. Boxer Kel Brook has announced his retirement from boxing. An arrest warrant has been issued for NFL free agent Earl Thomas in the state of Texas. There's rumors that the Lakers had discussions on a Kyrie trade during the season. Brittany Griner has been reclassified as wrongfully detained in Russia. The Mets have released Robinson Cano, ending his 168-game tenure in New York, and the Mets could owe him nearly $45 million. The Grizzlies' John Morant is likely out for Game 4 with an ankle injury. Kevin Wolf, thanks for tuning in. Uh, let's see. The Kings are set to hire Mike Brown as their next head coach. And finally, and I'm going to get to this a little bit later as well. Reports are out that Nikola Jokic will win his second consecutive MVP award. Had to give that button up. 
because it's a disgrace, and I am definitely going to get to talk to that. Anybody that's tuned in, when you feel you need feel the need to chime in, please do. Facebook Sports Red Podcast is the group page where we are live currently. Getting to some scores, uh, I'm going to start off with Major League Baseball scores from yesterday. The White Sox defeat the Red Sox 3-2. The Brewers fall to the Braves 9-2. In game one, there were three doubleheaders yesterday. In game one of the Royals-Orioles, the Royals take game one 6-4. Also in game one, the Rangers and the Yankees. The Yankees take that game 2-1. And in game one, the Phillies and the Mets. The Phillies take game one 3-2. The Blue Jays fall to the Guardians 4-3. The Reds beat up on the Pirates 7-3. The Astros blank the Tigers, 5-zip. The Twins get by the A's, uh, 4-3. Also with the same score, 4-3, the Giants get by the Cardinals. The Angels defeat the Nationals, 5-4. The Marlins fall to the Padres, 3-2. The Diamondbacks blank the Rockies, 4-zip. And in 10 innings, the Seattle Mariners outlast the Rays, 2-1. In game two, Rangers-Yankees. Rangers take that game 4-2. Also in game two, Royals-Orioles. Orioles take that game 4-2 as well. In game two with the Phillies-Mets doubleheader, the Mets bounce back and take that game 6-1. In the final game of the night, the Dodgers beat up on the Cubs 7-1. We are back. We have some USFL scores as well. Going back for the weekend, going back to Friday. The Philadelphia Stars defeat the Panthers 26-25. On Saturday, the Generals outlast the Maulers 21-13. The Bandits fall to the Stallions 16-10. And yesterday's game, the Breakers defeat the Gamblers 23-16. WNBA season has also started, uh, but I'm going to skip that for right now. I'm going to give you the NBA NHL playoffs uh, on Sunday. Yesterday, Hurricanes fall to the Bruins 5-2. That series is now even at two games apiece. The Wild fall to the Blues also by a score of 5-2. Blues take that also 2-2 in that series. The Maple Leafs fall to the Lightning 7-3. And the Kings blank the Oilers 4-zip. Goodbye. All four of those series are are tied at two games apiece. In the WNBA, Sunday, the Sparks outlast the Fever, 87-77. The Mystics outlast the Lynx, 78-66. And the Aces get by the Storm, 85-74. In NBA playoffs yesterday, the Suns fall to the Mavs, 111-101, evening that series at two games apiece. And also, even in the series at two games apiece, our Philadelphia 76ers defeat the Miami Heat 116 to 108. There you have it, folks. That is your scores, your news, and your updates for May 9th, 2022. And we are back with your login. Sportsback Podcast is the group page, as always. So get over there and check me out. I'm here now. There are several things that I wanted to get to today. Quite a few things I wanted to get to today. And I wanted to talk about the code as we see that the Grizzlies Warriors series has gotten heated. But I'm going to begin with the Sixers Heat series. I've got to start there because I've got some other things that I need to get off and get a hold of. And get to, and I'm hopeful that some people will chime in and have some things to say as well. So we know how we looked in games one and games two in Miami without Joel Embiid. We know what transpired, the life, the energy that he ignites into this team. Uh, We saw that in game three. We finally have an awakened James Harden, which we saw last night totaling 31 points he was very aggressive he knocked down some contested threes and some contested shots in general but this is the James Harden that a lot of us were looking forward to seeing for the regular for the end of the regular season after the trade 
and also throughout the playoffs, which we have not seen as of yet until last evening. Then I wake up this morning and I get an alert stating that it is being rumored or it's pretty much set now that Nikola Jokic, center for the Denver Nuggets, will win his second consecutive MVP award, which I think is a travesty. I've talked about this several weeks. I've even listened to some other people talk about it, and there were quite a few people who were on Jokic's side. There was even a mistaken leak the other night after game three, where on the NBA's website, they started off their post with Kia MVP Joel Embiid leads the Sixers to victory, yada, yada, yada. And all of a sudden, we wake up this morning after game four, and it's changed. So another post this morning where someone posted on social media that the MVP of the league is sitting home watching. And those of you that don't know, and I understand it myself, uh, the MVP is usually selected due to what the player does in the regular season, which I think is crazy. I think it should carry all the way through the playoffs. Again, um, a travesty for Joel Embiid. I understand a little bit last year where he had some injuries. Um, he missed certain amount of games is what they claimed it was last year, why he didn't win it. But this year, if you look at the entire season and what he did the entire season, it looked like there was a tight race, but it looked like he should have the upper hand in winning. Like I explained to quite a few people who talked about it, uh, yeah, Kenny, a lot of people, some people have said that too. They'll take a championship over an MVP. But in my opinion, I, I just feel like what's right is right. I don't feel that the MVP, and a lot of people are not talking about this and they probably won't mention it, but Jokic won the MVP last year and then his team got swept out of the playoffs in the first round. They make it this year. Again, he wins the MVP after they're knocked out of the first round where they almost got swept. They won one game. They went 4-1. They lost 4-1, I'm sorry. So you look at the Sixers, on the other hand, and and I've told people this several times. Prior to the trade, Joel Embiid carried the Sixers and had them no lower. Uh, Coach Laws, thanks for tuning in, good brother. Joel Embiid had his team in the top four for the entire season prior to the trade and post trade they stayed within that top four i think they might have dropped to five maybe once they even bounced up to number one for like almost 24 hours and people will try to start some dialogue or lay an argument that yoker is a better passage and this and that and the third and i will give you some of that yes but you look at the impact that Joel has on this Sixers team. They're in the second round. Um, yeah, that, that flagrant foul by Jokic was horrible, absolutely. So I still don't understand how he won the MVP. There seems to be some type of disappointment, if you will. That may not even be the right word, but there looks to be some kind of shade going on um, when it regards the Philadelphia 76ers. And it could all be stemming from, as you see on my shirt, the process, okay? And I've got it. The process versus everybody is what it says, and I'm fully supporting that today. Joel Embiid, you saw the difference, like I was starting to say. You saw the difference in the impact that he made or he makes on this Philadelphia 76ers team. You saw a difference in their play in game three when he returned back with the mask. You saw a difference last night, although it was more James Harden waking up and doing what we felt he should do and what we thought he could do, which is also a plus, a major plus. But again, you look at Joel Embiid and what he's done for this Philadelphia 76ers team. It's ridiculous, in my opinion, in my mind, to hear that he did not win 
the league MVP. His team, his team is still in the playoffs. Absolutely. Playoffs should have no bearing on the team, uh, on the regular season MVP. I agree with you there, Stan. And I said that to a lot of people. That was part of my point. I kind of feel like it should go throughout the playoffs as well. But if you're going to stop it in the regular season, I still think Joel Embiid had much more of an impact on his team than Jokic did. A lot of people will try to debate and say that he didn't have Jamal Murray. He didn't have this. He didn't have that. Even before the trade, if you know a lot of basketball, if you know anything about basketball, the members that were on that Denver Nuggets team still, still produced more than what Joel Embiid had on his team coming off the bench. Bench has been a problem for us for the last several years. We all know this. But he carried them and maintained a top four team prior to the trade and post-trade. And like I said, I get with the stats and the analytics that everybody goes through about what Jokic can do. Excuse me. But you look at the impact on the team, which in my opinion, in my opinion plays a big role in voting for the MVP. What type of impact does this particular person, this particular player have on this team? Joel Embiid willed the Sixers to that game three win in Toronto when they went up 3-0. He hit the big shot at the end to give him the three, to give him the three, give him the 3-0 lead. Worked out, they won a couple games, they come back, and they win in game six. But you look at the entire season, and we're going to go with what stands. We're going to take the playoffs out for just a few minutes. We're going to look at the regular season. Joel Embiid, arguably his healthiest season since he's been a pro. He won the scoring title, which before the trade, he had to do a lot of the scoring in order to keep this team afloat, which he did. He basically put the team on his back. The Nuggets were up and down all season long. All season long. I forget what spot they, they ultimately made the fourth, fifth or sixth, whatever they made, position they made in the playoffs at the end of the season or whatever. But you look at the things that Joel Embiid does on the court. In my opinion, he's the best center in the league right now. I don't think there's any center that can hold their own against him on any given night, especially when he's healthy. He's playing now with two injuries. Uh, Coach Stan says, big, slow, white guy should not be able to almost average a triple-double. That is a great compliment within itself. Yeah, I agree there, Stan. I'm not I'm not knocking um, the things that Jokic does, you know, if that's, you know, where you were going with that, maybe not, whatever. But I'm not knocking it. I said I give him kudos basketball-wise, yes. Definitely give him kudos for what he can do. But I'm looking at, like I said, in my opinion, the MVP that can make a dramatic change to a team. In my opinion, Jokic didn't do that this year. In my opinion, Joel Embiid did. So I, I feel like it's a little slight for Joel Embiid not winning the MVP this year. Um, I think that will somewhat fuel him going into game five back in Miami. I think it will also fuel him for however long they remain in the playoffs to prove the naysayers wrong, prove to them that they could possibly have made a mistake in not voting him the MVP. If we look at history, when was the last time that a seven-foot center won a scoring title, led the league in scoring? Joel Embiid does still, in my opinion, need to get better with the assists and, and things of that nature. He doesn't usually get a lot of triple doubles like Jokic does, but that's not his role on this particular team. When you look at, and I'm going to touch the playoffs just a bit right here. When you look at the way Joel Embiid plays and you take a look at what the Warriors did to Jokic in the first round, there were moments on the bench when he looked spent. 
Okay, they won one game against the Golden State Warriors. Like hell, I said they they won zero games in the playoffs last year. And I get it. Playoffs, some people say the playoffs should not have a bearing on the regular season because it's a totally different season in the MVP. I still think from what I saw in the regular season that Joel Embiid should have been voted the MVP. Like I said, he carried this team. I mean, you look at our bench. Our bench is basically averaging, um, what, 10 points maybe uh, at most total on a, on any given night. We have had some good nights, but there has been more than 10 points. But usually the average is somewhere around 10 to 15 points total from our bench. Joel Embiid, even before the trade for James Harden, when we had Joel, Tobias Harris, and you know how I feel about the inconsistencies of Tobias Harris, and I felt that way, felt that way for the last couple seasons. But I also feel like in these playoffs, this playoffs this year, Tobias Harris has been better as far as his defense and his offense. He's been better. Towards the end of the season, it looked like he got into somewhat of a groove and became a little bit more consistent to me. But getting back to the MVP, again, I just feel like it's a travesty. Um, You know, I feel like what more does this man have to do to win or get more votes for the MVP? Everything that was said about him in the past several years, he took that as fuel and attempted to make that better. And a lot of things he did get better at. Again, I say as a basketball fan, former coach, former referee, former player, there are some pieces that he still needs some work on. Yes, I totally agree that. I totally get that. But what I'm saying is, again, my opinion and my opinion only, the fact that he carried this team for an entire season is what I feel like an MVP should do. You know, they look to him to close out games, to win games, hit buckets. Um, You can see there's a difference when he plays and when he doesn't play. Again, makes for me an MVP. Uh, Stan says he thinks it was being six in the league and assists that gave to Edge the Joker. Yeah, that that could possibly, like I said, the the stat thing for me is kind of skewed. Stan, you know, like I said, I understand where they're going with Joker because he can get the assists and this and that. But he's nowhere near as talented on the defensive end as Joel is. So I kind of think, in my opinion, that you could almost kind of balance that out. Where Joel is a step above on the defensive end and Jokic gets those assists, yeah. But you got to play both ends of the floor. So I think where Joel would could have, in my opinion, could have had an edge was his defense because he changes things when he's in the game. You look at, and I'm still going back and forth, you look at some games where teams played against the Sixers when Joel was out of the game, centers made some noise. Once he got back in, it was a different story. We can even look and talk about games one and two of this current series against the Miami Heat. And I'm still pushing a little bit to the play, but I'm just talking about overall play. Hey, Liz, good morning. Thanks for tuning in. I'm looking at games one and two where Bam Adebayo, who was also an undersized center, pretty much had his way with Joel Embiid not on the court. Then we move into game three, first game back in Philly, first game for Joel Embiid, didn't do much. And I understand players are going to have not so spectacular games here and there in different moments. That's that's a given. I totally understand that. But you could easily argue and debate that Joel Embiid's impact had something to do with that. He had a better game. Bam out of bio I'm talking about now. Had a better game last night. But still, the presence of Joel Embiid. Uh, let's see. Stan says, rebounding as well. Joker has the edge. Point-wise, Joel only averaged three more points, and the Sixers only had three more regular season wins. Yeah, I, I hear you. 
I get that, you know, and like I said, I'm just giving you my opinions. But Joel kept them in the top four with all the rebounding and a couple games. And I understand it's a different, it's not just one team in each conference. They're in different conferences and different teams or whatever. Joel and B, they stayed in fourth place and went in the season, went into the playoffs at fourth. The Denver Nuggets went in at six. So, again, I get where they say it. The rebounding, yes. Joker is the rebounding, yes. Um, he averaged three more points, but it was enough to give him the scoring title. He averaged three more points. Yeah, fine, well. But, again, you look at the makeup of both of those rosters, I still feel like even without Jamal Murray, even before the trade for James Harden for the Sixers, at the Denver Nuggets had a better roster. Their bench players, in my opinion, are still, are still, I think, better than the majority, if not all, the majority or if not all of the Sixers bench players. So where, where do we come to a decision? You know, um, I under, like I said again, I understand where these stats come in. But when you look at just the overall body of work, and I use this word several times, the impact that he's had on this team, it, it kind of, for me, looks like he should have had uh, a few more nods to win the MVP of the league. So with that being said, you know, it's it is what it is. Um, I'm hoping that again, this not being voted the MVP will have some weight on him and fuel him in game five. Maybe we can go up three two and come back home for another game, make it go to seven. Although the seventh game would be in Miami, but maybe we can push. Especially if Joel can perform to his standards of being really good. And we get another game or two from James Harden like we saw last night. Possibility is there. Um, but again, I just, you know, and like I said, I give you stuff and I give it to you. And this is my opinions and my opinions only. I just feel like Joel did not lose the MVP. I just feel like there are pieces involved that kind of weighed against him more than the pieces involved weighed against Nikola Jokic. That's all I'm saying. So I'm just a little disappointed that Joel did not get the MVP um, this year. So with that being said, I'm going to move into, and I'm going to talk a little bit about the Warriors-Grizzlies series. And I saw an article when I said, it says, John Morant reignites conversation on the code. Okay, I get where things are going with this. Um, in this series, there was already an injury where Gary Payton III was fouled by Dylan Brooks, who ultimately got suspended for a game. Gary Payton III fractured his elbow and is likely out for the remainder of the playoffs however long the Golden State Warriors stay in. Not a high-profile player. Wasn't a lot of chatter about it. Wasn't a lot of talk about it. The unwritten code wasn't even mentioned but then we flip to game three and the Warriors put something on the Grizzlies okay and they take a 2-1 lead in game three they take a 2-1 lead John Morant gets injured he's so he's seen limping off the court and at the end of that game he's likely out for game four tonight so now, with it being a high-profile player, it's being brought up that about the unwritten code. Well, we can go back and forth all day about some of these calls that we see that have been called flagrant fouls, flagrant ones, flagrant twos, players getting ejected. I mean, perfectly, this is the series to watch because in game one, I believe it was, or game two, when Draymond Green got that flagrant fire, excuse me, and was ejected, we can add in, we can go on and on and on about how the referee has been in a couple of sports. 
but we know how it's been in basketball. Going back to that Draymond Green foul, I can understand the flagrant one, but from what I saw, in my opinion, the grabbing of the shirt in the in the moment in real time speed, it could have possibly looked worse than it was, because you can't kind of you can't really compare seeing it on TV and then watching replays as opposed to it happening as a referee in front of your eyes in real time. And I only know this because I have been a referee. Okay? So, in my opinion, watching that on TV, I was okay with the flagrant one because I saw the type of foul that it was. I think it was just a matter of motion where the jersey got snagged. And to me, it looked like Draymond was trying to break his fall. But we know how things play out in the league. We know, like I said, how the refereeing has been. When coaches complain, we saw this happen in the Toronto Sixers series. Nick Nurse complained about fouls and some things got called, some things didn't get called. In my personal opinion, you could have called uh, an offensive foul on the push-off on Pascal Siakam if you went, drove to the bat, made a move to the basket nine times a game, you could have called it seven or eight times. But it wasn't called. The elbow that Joel suffered in late in that closeout game from Siakam once again, that caused the concussion and the fractured orbital bone. When you look at that face value, you could easily say, uh, I don't know, that could have been a flagrant one as well. And then as a fan, you can flip it and say, if the shoe were on the other foot and it was Joel Embiid, you can arguably say, and from what we've seen, that it would have definitely been called a flagrant foul on Joel Embiid. I'm just giving you what I've seen and what I've interpreted from watching. But again, it goes back to what we've been saying for the last couple of years, how poor and shaky the refereeing has been. So again, with this, with the man, with the code, unwritten code, and like I said, didn't really come out until we talk about a high-profile player. Like I said, it happened to Gary Payton earlier in the season. Dylan Brooks got suspended for a game. I don't know what's going to happen here with this particular um, play, but there hasn't been any rule or anything put out about any suspension or anything for uh, Jordan Poole. But because it was a high-profile player in John Morant, it was brought to the forefront just a little bit more than the situation with Gary Payton III. But we already know, or we can pretty much say, that Gary Payton III's injury is a little bit more severe right now than John Morant's injury. John Morant was able to walk off on his own power with a noticeable limp. Gary Payton has a fractured elbow and will not continue in the playoffs. We're only going into game four in this series. So there is a possibility that John Moran could come back if we make it two again. Well, we'll definitely make it to a game five because it's 2-1. If the Warriors win, it will be 3-1, which is four. So it will definitely be a game five. So there is a possibility that John Moran could return by game five. But we know that Gary Payton III will not return due to that fractured elbow. So I think when we look at the officiating and we look at the calls and some of the calls that get reviewed and some calls that get called flagrant, some that get pushed to flagrant twos and some of the other things, I can attest and I can be one to say, like I mentioned, as a former referee, there is a difference and sometimes you have to make decisions within a split second from what you see. And again, people, you have to understand there is a difference in being right there live in that moment and watching it on TV and seeing it. Although on TV you get the replays, you get a couple different angles or whatever, but it's still a difference. It's even You can even go further and say there's a difference when you're the referee actually refereeing the game and then you're a fan in the stands and you're looking at it and you're looking at it both time in real time. But there is a difference because as a fan, 
you're not on the spot to make that decision, which could be arguably in a split second. So there's where I have some remorse for the referees, but I also have seen what's going on and putting on my referee hat. I have been one to agree with a lot of other people that the refereeing has been subpar for a couple years now. I can definitely attest to that. So we we talk about that, and again, it's tough how you could talk about it. It's tough how you can bring it to the forefront, and it's really, really um, a, a debatable topic. Um, I think that something needs to be talked about talked about being put in place for some of these officials because some of these officials make calls and change the game and, and nothing happens. But players do certain things and then they get fined, they get ejected and whatever, whatever. But there's nothing really in place for the referees who do things which we could arguably call mistakes that affect the game in ways that as a fan, as a coach, and as players, you feel the players should be allowed to make that difference in the game. So we'll definitely talk about that more at some point, I'm, I'm sure. But again, in my opinion, in my opinions only, I feel like Joel Embiid was robbed of the MVP. But push on Sixers, we've tied the series. We go back to Miami. Hopefully, again, like I mentioned, this will fuel Joel Embiid to have a big game in Game 5. Hopefully, we'll see another superb effort from James Harden like we saw last night, and it will do something to this team to inspire them to get through this round and knock off the number one seed, the Miami Heat. So moving along, and because I was late, and you know I'm going to continue with uh, some things going on here, I, the next story I want to talk to you about and I posted it, and some people asked me to post the links to the article. I posted the links to the article on social media. And it ref it's in regards to Cynthia Cooper Dyke, who has been accused of abusive behavior and using demeaning sexual language to her players. It's allegedly been on a span of a 10-year run from a couple of different schools, most recently at Texas Southern, where there was talk that she, how she degraded uh, one of her young ladies um, who actually, who wished, who initially and legitimately had some mental health issues, and she kind of used that in demeaning them in practice. She used sexual overtones, um, Arguably, even some unnecessary, possibly racial overtones in trying to get her team to play, which caused dissension among the ranks where her players did not particularly care for her too much. But when these accusations came out, she was immediately registered for a Title IX hearing, which states, and I'm paraphrasing here, that if the accuser, if the accused is no longer an employee of the place where the accusations took place, it's a possibility that the accusations could get dropped. So she got out before they could get to the Title IX hearing. She resigned. So there will be no Title IX hearing and possibly, very possibly, these accusations could be dropped so i don't know what the players are going to do about this and i posted the link to the article i am not going to go through a lot of things that she said um on air because again in my opinion after i read it and went through it i agree that they were very demeaning and uncalled for coming from a coach directed towards their players so, again, you can go to Facebook, Sports Rap Podcast, the group page, and find the article. It has Cynthia Cooper's picture there, but I did post a link to the article, so you can read it at your own leisure. 
um, if you are very interested or that interested in seeing some of the things that were said. And again, because of respect for the players, me being a coach, a former coach, understanding that situation, understanding the sensitivity of this situation, I'm not going to give you what was said on air, but again, you can at your own leisure go to the page and uh, check out the article on your own. Um, that type of activity, those type of words have no place in sports at all. It could arguably ruin a player. Um, there was one player who even said that she was had thoughts of suicide because of some of the things that were said to her. So it, it's, it's no place in sports for it. Um, as a coach, you are, in my opinion, there to motivate, educate, and uplift your players. You should be one of the first to be in support of your players other than their teammates. And this type of activity, again, has no place in sports whatsoever. So there you have that. That's what I got for that. And again, I can't stay on it because I totally... Am ashamed. Um, Cynthia Cooper was or is one of my all-time favorite WNBA players. And I, when I first saw it, I was a little shocked and appalled. And, my, and the wow factor for me when I first heard about it was a super wow. Because I really didn't believe it until I read the article. So I look at her a little bit differently um, as far as her coaching standpoint. But as a player, I'm still where I am with a player because I saw what she did. But as a coach, it changes some things for me, changes my thought process um, of her as a coach. The last story I want to get to today, um, and I'm going to have to get through this somewhat quickly. In regards to the WNBA and their return to play this season, there was a player, Diamond DeShields, who suffered, suffered a serious, serious injury. Um, back in January 17th, January of 2020, there was an MRI she had for an injury, and it revealed that she had a grape-sized tumor in her spinal cord. She underwent surgery for that, and going into that surgery, she knew there was risk, and one of the major risks, but the, there was possibility of complications of paralysis. But if the tumor was not removed, it could also cause paralysis due to pressure on the spinal cord. She found the doctor that removed it. Surgery went well, but she still left the surgery with tremors and involuntary spasms throughout her body. It was a long fight. Um, she was traded ultimately traded to the Phoenix Mercury in February after four seasons with the Chicago Sky. So she currently is a member of the Phoenix Mercury. She was on the championship team last year with the Phoenix Sun. On October, in October of 2021, which is 21 months after back surgery, again, she helped Chicago win the WNBA title. There was a lot of issues that went on with her with that, um, and there was a rare medical condition that was called schwannomas, and it accounts for about 5% of tumors that, that are seen in the spine, okay, um, and people say, describe it, think of it, think of it like a grape pushing on the nerve, and they have to peel that grape-sized mass from that nerve, from that spinal cord, and from the surrounding nerve roots, the nerve branches with without causing damage or too much irritation to them. So basically, she went into an extremely long rehab to the point where she was in the hospital. Her coaching staff, her physical trainers couldn't stand to see her. They had to adjust before they could go in and see her. She would get tremors and they would get so bad that her whole body would seize to the point where she got tears rolling down her eyes, but she couldn't speak when she was in the hospital, so she couldn't tell you. 
They said she would have moments where she clawed at her face uncontrollably with her hands. And they were just there just to make sure she didn't hurt herself. All in all, Diamond the Shields got through this. Um, I give kudos to the Chicago Sky for when she first came back because due to regulations and things of that nature, when they went into the bubble, is when she came back, when they went into the bubble, that they had rules because of COVID. If you left the court, you couldn't return. So what Chicago did was they set up a little side area where she could go um, to not be embarrassed. Because when she came back, a lot of her teammates still didn't know fully what she was going through. She would kind of give a sign to her trainer, strength and conditioning coach, and they would escort her back to this place behind a spot behind a curtain where they could give her treatment and she could relax. And if she had tremors, she can go through those tremors and whatever. She was so determined that when she was in the rehab, she started to get better. And they said she would have to learn how to walk again. And she mentioned that she she doesn't she wasn't trying to learn how to walk. She was trying to learn how to run and jump things that a basketball player does. She eventually got back. And again, she didn't tell her teammates fully at the time when she returned what she was going through and how she got through it. She did realize and talk to her coach initially that she wasn't going to come to the bubble, but then she realized that she needed her teammates more than they needed her in order for her to get through what she was going through. Um, when you talk to Allie Quigley, one of her teammates, she says, I told her winning winning the NBA title started with, the, with you three or four years ago. It says she changed the culture. She changed their team athletically. She was the number three pick in the 2018 WNBA draft. Number three pick, so that means she was pretty good. Um, in that season, and she started 33 or 34 games for the Sky and she averaged 14 points, four rebounds a game. And she was named to the WNBA All-Rookie Team. All in all, she has returned. She is now a member of the Phoenix Mercury. Phoenix, who opened the season on Friday, they fell to, um, they fell at home. I forget who they played, but they lost their opening game. Diamond the Shields is scheduled to play in that game. She was traveling back to the United States from overseas, but she is scheduled to play in game two. And I look forward. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I do watch quite a bit of it, WNBA games, and not only because of what I do here, but because I think it's pretty good basketball. So I will definitely be watching to see where she has come from this major injury. Um... I will double back and make sure I post this article for you guys so you can read it at its length on your own. Again, in 2019, she was voted as an all-star for the first time, and she won the skills challenge there. She's definitely a top-five player, and she doesn't think that there's anybody really was touching her that year. So she was very confident. Um, she finally says she has a lot of expectations moving forward and kind of getting this off of her now. She also says she feels she feels she's been sitting with this for a long time, and it's time that she puts it behind her. She's healthy now, and she expects a lot. So there you have it, folks. That will pretty much wrap up today's show. It was short, but it was brief and to the point. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Stan Laws, thanks for tuning in. Elizabeth Gibbs, Mark Brown. Frank, uh, Kenny Lomax, who else tuned in? Kevin Wolf, thank you all for tuning in as always. Once again, thank you everybody that has tuned in, everybody that tunes in along the way. You will see me right back here next Monday, 11 a.m. I'll be on on my regular time. I won't be behind schedule at all. This week, this Thursday, we are scheduled for the Drake Tavern. About 6 30, 7 p.m. And I will be with you guys on social media all week. You know what to do. Monday, be great on purpose, as we always say. It is going to be a little bit clearer day to day, a little bit warmer today. Um, you know where to find me. Frank, uh, 
Sportswrap Podcast is the group page on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Sportswrap underscore D. Also, YouTube, Sportswrap TV. There's a video from last week up. This video will go up later this week. You can also get the audio if you cannot get it right now, if you missed it, on iHeartRadio, Google, and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and most of your podcast outlets. Be sure to stay tuned to my social media to find out when alerts go up or just subscribe to those outlets or your favorite outlet and make sure you click the bell and follow the Sports Rap Podcast and put the alerts on so you'll know. Just like on YouTube, Sports Rap TV, like the videos that you like, make sure you subscribe to the channel and hit that bell so you'll be alerted when new video is up. Finally, the webpage, sportswrapradio.com. Again, this is our scheduled week for the Drake Tavern. So I'll be with you all week on social media and let you know how that's going to play out. So stay tuned for that. Closing out today, we got some schedules for you in Major League Baseball. We've got the Rangers and the Yankees, the Pirates and the Dodgers, the Brewers and the Reds, the A's and the Tigers, the Guardians and the White Sox, the Rays and the Angels, the Cubs and the Padres, the Marlins and the Diamondbacks, the Phillies are in Seattle to take on the Mariners, and the Rockies will take on the Giants. In the WNBA, no game scheduled for tonight. They resume play on Tuesday with the Aces and the Mystics and the Lynx and the Fever. Monday NHL playoffs, the Panthers and the Capitals. Currently, the Panthers are up two games to one in that series. The Rangers and the Penguins. In that series, the Penguins are currently up 2-1. The Avalanche and the Predators. Avalanche are up 3-zip. And closing out today's NHL playoff schedule, the Flames and the Stars, and the Stars are up 2-1 there. Continuing our NBA playoffs tonight, the Celtics are back in Milwaukee to face up against the Bucks. The Bucks now lead that series 2-1. And the old controversial, tough, gritted-out series, the Grizzlies and the Warriors will play tonight in Game 2. The Warriors are now up 2-1. And I believe the Sixers will be back in Miami. And that game will either be Tuesday or Wednesday. But follow me on social media and I will get you that schedule and let you know when that game is. Thanks to everybody that tuned in. Thanks to everybody that couldn't make it. You can catch up later in the week. Like I said, I gave you everything where everything is. Be sure you are tuned in. It's your boy, Sportswrap D, signing out for today. I'll catch you all week on social media right back here on Monday.